talking about life, faith, and everything in between. This is Messy Christianity. And welcome back to Messy Christianity. Three ordinary guys just trying to live out their faith in a chaotic and crazy world. Gentlemen, how are you? Sounds like a topic for the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good. That's, yeah, awesome. that actually is our topic. One of the things we wanted to uh, to wrestle with was how do we keep Jesus at the priority or position of our life when we have families? I mean, all three of us are in different stages of life. You know, you've got a gaggle of kids. <laughs> <laughs> He's pointing at Brent. I'm yes. pointing at Brent. That's right. Um, I've got kids that are up in age in terms of almost out of the house. and uh, i got lots of free time because I have no yeah, kids at all. You're newly married. You're the yeah. 50-year-old. <laughs> I do have two nieces that I spend a lot of time with. Yeah, that's though. right. So Going to dance tonight, so. So so let's start on this. What how chaotic is your life? I can go first. I live <laughs> in chaos. I feel like that. I feel many times I've had conversations with my wife and I, in in a venting, not really venting type of way, but more of an explanation type of way. I feel like almost every day that I leave work to go home to work. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing, but it's it it ties in with part of my struggle from a health issue, I've been trying to figure out what Sabbath actually looks like and the necessity of rest. And I feel like God's actually been impressing that on my heart for the last couple of years. And part of the pursuit of God that I've explored in the last couple of years is this idea of resting in a chaotic world and what that looks like and how to maintain focus on Him in the busyness of life. My oldest is 13. I've got a 10-year-old. I say 13 in a couple of weeks. 10-year-old, 7-year-old, and 2-year-old, and what a wild dynamic. Four different, dramatically different ages, two boys, two girls, and and just chaos, 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 constantly. Different things, you know, different responsibilities. It's it's tough. It really is. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, I'm busy, too. I in, Even before marriage, I mean, I, I think busyness is just... Um, I mean, chaotic. I mean, I think that's just something that's, uh, that's a part of all of it. I think everybody listening to this is going to relate to this topic today. It's, this is a chaotic world we live in. Um, everybody is busy, 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 busy. And I remember even, you know, I'm almost 50, but I remember back in the, uh, what, 80s and 90s, the whole day planner phase came through and the whole manager world. I bought, I can't tell you how many day planners I bought over the years, the big book ones, you know, and Franklin Planner was the thing. If I you, lost that, I didn't have a life. See, I you could, did I it. You, you figured out how to do it. I, I would use it for about two weeks, and then it'd be under my seat in my car. Or never. The only thing that actually ever saved me for planning-wise was when Google Calendar started. I, I can yeah. use me some Google Calendar now, set reminders and stuff. I can do that. But, um, yeah, it, this is not a new thing. And, uh, you know, even— uh, I don't know. Is it— Maybe not new in the last 20 or 30 years, but it is new because life has gotten tremendously yeah. more complicated in the last 50 years sure. and certainly more in the last 100 years. But but you're right. It's not new for us, for our lifetime. Right, for our lifetime. Yeah. I've got three teenagers. I've got a 19-year-old daughter, and um, i got a 17-year-old daughter, and I've got a 15-year-old son, almost 16. And so our chaos is different but but I I distinctly remember the chaos of having little ones in the house, and you know I think Shannon and I were talking about it the other day going, you know that was great, but we're so glad that that phase of life is over. Not not that it was any it was bad, but it was just I remember the exhaustion of trying to keep up with, and, and we were a very limited 
family in terms of what we would allow the kids to do. They they could only play one sport all year if they played one. We weren't about to do sport to sport to sport. Now I'm not. That's not a declaration of right or wrong. That's for our family. That's what what worked. Mm-hmm. They could choose one activity in school, but even with the one, Still, it's yeah. like holy smokes. Yeah. And honestly, kids were tough because they were constantly needing our attention. Teenagers up until, you know, when they're when they can't drive, especially, that's when you feel like a chauffeur and a cook and. Mm-hmm. You're going from one thing to another, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting, yeah. And I think that's the life of so many people in all churches. It really is. There's yeah. so much responsibility. There's so much chaos. There's so much weight on our shoulders. And then we have one more added weight. We need to spend time with God. Yeah. yeah. A 15-minute quiet time seems like an impossibility. And it feels like a weight, but I think that's part of the way the evil one works is— He's taught us to think that this is a weight, one more thing, another checklist that I got to do, versus a lifestyle of being in constant communion with Christ. No matter what the chaos is, we can still find our joy in, in Jesus. I think we, getting deeper here, but I, I think we associate busyness. Uh, the, the more busy we are, it, it almost puts the more worth we feel in ourselves. Yeah. Um, we can do that with our jobs, you know. If, if I'm not busy, I'm not working hard enough. Um, but even, yeah, let me be the expert on parenting because I'm the only one without kids here. That's always fun. But um, it, it, I think there's a lot of comparison that goes on from from uh, family to family. You know, one uh, one kid on the street, their their kids are in every single activity, and then you almost feel unworthy as a parent if your kids <laughs> yeah. aren't doing the same things because the kids are going to school and they're comparing notes and and uh, you know. Mom, I'm not getting to do everything that Johnny's getting to do. And so the parent starts feeling unworthy, so they get busier to make it up to their child. Um, it's a vicious cycle. You know? yeah, do you think there's a lot of guilt in uh, with parents that they feel like if they say no to their kid on some things, they're depriving them of, so. of something that's a rite of passage? Like if I say no, like my daughter, my middle daughter, Hannah, she's constant. Well, she doesn't do it anymore, but she used to constantly remind me of how I crushed her dream of being an Olympic gymnast. And to be quite honest, it was really tough. She was super good and super flexible and taught herself gymnastics without, I mean, just, she was just good. And she begged me, Hey, let me be in gymnastics. And I, and, and I just looked at it and realistically said, number one, we can't afford it. Number two, we can't do the gymnast lifestyle. So we said no. But as a parent, that was hard, hard, hard. And there mm-hmm. was some guilt associated with that sure. because we traded we traded that opportunity for for time. So so why do we feel that way? Why do we feel like there's this expectation of we're robbing our kids if we don't let them do everything? I think it's the American dream. Hmm. We've been taught in the school system. We've been taught in our culture and our lifestyle that your job as a parent is to give your children every opportunity that you did not have yourself. And no matter how great or how much you spent was spent on you as a child, you need to supersede that as a parent or you're not a good parent. And that's a lie. And we can easily say that that's a lie, but letting that sink into our very souls so that we can believe that that's a different story. So, you know, we go into debt for our kids I say society-wise, sure. we spend a lot of money on things we can't afford because of that guilt. We were like, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to take out a loan to pay for travel baseball. 
because <laughs> my kid my kid will never become a pro ball player if he doesn't play on these certain teams. And I, I'm not picking on travel baseball. I'm not, well, it's all you know, we're not we're not condemning yeah. any parent because everybody's got their own race to run. Yeah. But but we're saying for our for our own individual race, this was where we struggled, right? But but why why do we why do we and then we complain because we're tired and it's like yeah. we're going well, duh, of duh, course we're tired. Yeah. But you know it's it's more than just for the parents. We've got singles. Yeah, we've got the single adults, the single young adults that are struggling with the exact same thing. They work all the time. They're going to school all the time. They're involved in so many different things, and no matter what they do, it's never enough. And I think it is that unrealistic unrealistic expectation of a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more is going to fill the vacancy in my life. A little bit more is going to fill that soul longing. A little bit more is going to answer my questions for life. And it's not going to because the chaos of life is a distraction from wholeness in Christ. And so that's what the evil one wants us to do is be distracted by the ways of the world, be distracted by the chaos of life so that our focus becomes on the world and making ends meet or figuring out relationships or making the next great purchase versus this is the day the Lord has made. I choose today to rejoice and be glad in it, and my focus is going to be on Him. And as I'm living a life as a single, as a married, young married, parent, grandparent, my focus today is to point myself first to Jesus and then everybody else that's around me. But chaos distracts us from doing that. And it is chaotic. I mean, we've fully circled the wagons there. This is a chaotic world. I was just sitting here thinking, my, some of my greatest memories growing up— um, my grandfather, uh, he grew up out in the cotton fields, uh, picking cotton all day, multiple children. I think there's, I don't even remember. I think there was nine of them. Um, but then, uh, I spent several summers at my grandparents' house and we lived next door for, for many years, but we would go out and work in the garden and, uh, you know, do garden work and stuff. And we'd be knocking off by three in the afternoon. Then we would eat the early dinner and, uh, I remember playing dominoes uh, yeah. quite often with my grandpa. Very simple, simple life. But but looking back, those are some of my greatest memories. Very simple stuff. wasn't expensive, um, but it was also very um, not chaotic. You know, uh, it was hard work in the garden and stuff. But I did, but I did it with Grandpa, and we we had conversations. But there was still relationship even in the work. Huge relations. Yeah. That's the that's the things I remember. Um, you know, so. I'm, I'm not saying we're going to get back to Little House on the Prairie days in our culture, but maybe we need to take a page from that book a little bit. And um, you know, I'm, this may this relates, but I'm thinking of the book we all read last year, the Boundaries book that yeah. we had all read before. But uh, there comes a time where we have to set up boundaries in our own lives and our own families, which is kind of what you did with your with your kids there, giving them one um, you know one choice there. And once again, that's the choice you made, yeah, not for made, yeah. not for everybody. But um, but I think for all of us, we have to set up boundaries and say no to some things so that we can say yes to some other stuff. And that yes may be uh, time. You know, I've got to have some time in our life. What's Covey, the book, uh, Seven Habits? Seven what, Habits, yeah. Well, I think he's the one that talked about the uh, having margin in your life. Yeah. That's, that's a good reread maybe. You know, we got to have margin. We've got to have space in our lives. And Brian, or my good friend Brian Jones, again, he, he mm. taught me this, and you, you guys kind of mock me for saying it because I mm. say it all the time, but every time you say yes, you mm-hmm. say no. And every time you say no, you say yes. That's right. And, and it's, it's so simple, but it's so true. I think that we have chaotic lives, if we have chaotic lives, simply because we have not defined and held our boundaries. 
Mm-hmm. You know, boundaries tell us how far, essentially what the book says, boundaries tell us what we're responsible for and who we're responsible to. And I think too many of us live our lives responsible for things that are not ours to own and responsible to people that we shouldn't be. And so a lot of manipulation, a lot of guilt, mm-hmm. and, and all of that just kind of stacks on top of us until it, it really ultimately just crushes us and it steals all the joy out of life. And it's a vicious cycle because let's say, for instance, we're, we're, we're wanting our kids to be involved in everything. So we're running from place to place to place. And because we're doing that, we're not eating properly because we're eating fast food all the time. Mm-hmm. But because we're doing that, we're not sleeping well. Mm-hmm. And because we're doing that, we're getting cranky. Right. And because we're getting cranky, our, we're, we're being irritable with our kids. And they're just getting And then and, yeah. they're getting wound up and worse. And so mm-hmm. it's this chronic instability that mm-hmm. happens that's largely self-inflicted over an expectation right. that was never good in the first place. Right. I feel like I was just like the prophet of doom there. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but, but isn't that the vicious cycle that we run in? Deep down underneath all of that, what started that, you know, is, is there this um, my worth is built upon what I do? Yeah. It's not built upon who I am. Uh, so the more I do for my children, the more I do for myself, the harder I work, the more worth I have. I mean, that's the underneath, and, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a psychological thing that needs to be dealt with from a spiritual standpoint even. You know, I am worthy as a follower of Christ. I'm worthy as a, being created by, the God, by God himself. Uh, I have worth, and it doesn't depend upon what I do um, and as a parent, as, as somebody at the job. Um, so that's when we can kind of get that and get past our own approval issues. You know, we, that gives us the ability to say, no, I don't need to do this to prove anything. Um, I'm going to say no, and I'm going to free up that time and I'm going to have margin and I'm going to spend some time with God today, you know, or, or I'm going to go do something I enjoy. or I'm going to go sit down by the water and read or whatever it may be. I'm going to go out on the boat. It doesn't matter. Um, we can build that margin by saying no, but it's deeper. It's figuring out that. Because this thing I do is not going to bring me more value or more worth. Yeah, that's so true. So so what about this idea of balance? Seems like people are always looking for balance in their life. Is that even possible? <laughs> I'm asking you, Brent, Mr. Yeah, Master um, of Balance. <laughs> I, to me, the, the essence of, of the chaos of life, the balance in life is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And when we get that out of whack, our relationship with Jesus out of whack, our relationship with the Father, our listening to the Holy Spirit, when that becomes a a drain, when that becomes unproductive in our eyes, when that becomes not a priority, everything else starts to fall apart and imbalance happens chaos happens. And those things happen sometimes even with a relationship that's really founded on listening to the voice of God and passionately pursuing Jesus with with the very DNA of who I am. I'm guilty of that. So so I guess my my rub my my struggle is how do you find balance when Jesus isn't top priority in your life? Yeah. And I think it's false. I, I don't think you can find I mean, you can find balance for a season, but ultimately finding balance, ultimately find, finding fulfillment 
Chaos is because of lack of fulfillment many times. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying everything until I find the thing that's going to fulfill me, whether it's a relationship or whether it's Mm -hmm. acquisition of wealth, whatever that is, more, 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 and more. And you're getting deeper in the hole. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's harder to dig out. And then there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And suddenly, God, where are you? This is all your Mm -hmm. fault. And he's, he's like... You keep running away, and all I'm wanting you to do is come back and look at me. But then you have the stories of those who do that and do that and do that, and they they have a heart attack or they have something that puts them on their back. Hmm. And then there's like this epiphany, you know, and life is suddenly different after all that because of some health issue or whatever. Chase, 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 and they finally, it's like the light bulb comes on, and they realize, you know. I mean, you hear those stories out there. You know, I think you said the key word, for me anyways, it's seasons. It's this recognition, and, and I think Jesus would have refuted the idea of balance in, in, in what we normally think balance is. We think balance on a 24-hour scale. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to work eight hours. I'm going to play two hours. I'm going to eat. But the, the seasonal approach is to say, look, there are seasons. I mean, there were times when Jesus worked nonstop. I mean, the crowds kept coming to him, right? His disciples said, hey, send them away so they can go eat. And he goes, no, you give them something to eat. So he recognized that that there are times that you just work like a dog because that's what the situation demands. Mm-hmm. Whenever there's a natural storm, a disaster here, a hurricane or a flood, I know that for the next two or three months mm-hmm. I'm going to work dust to dawn right. because that's my job. That's what I that, that's what I'm I'm called to do. That's what that's I'm paid calling, to do. It's yeah. my responsibility. But I also know that once that season is over, I'm going to take time and I'm going to rest. Mm-hmm. And so. What's helped me is is to think of all of life as seasonal. When we have little kids, that's a season of controlled chaos. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the best we can do because that's that's the nature of little kids, right? Because you still have to work, you still got to fix food, you still mm-hmm. have all those other things. But then looking towards the hope of okay, there's a point at which this is no longer going to be that way. Mm-hmm. So now I'm in a new spot. I'm in a new a new place. You know, one of the things for pastors. Is this wrestling between the the ordering of priorities? And you, we've heard it all of our life that pastors have to understand that it's God first, family second, mm-hmm. ministry third. Mm-hmm. I I can't defend that in Scripture. I can't. It's not. It's just not in there. Yeah. And this idea that I'm never going to sacrifice my family for the sake of ministry, how how is that humanly possible? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I remember in seminary class, and you go to different classes, and they'd all teach something different. But I remember going to the preaching class, and uh, 20 hours minimum prep time is what they one of the classes taught. for <laughs> one, so, one hour per minute of preaching. Yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking— <laughs> You're crazy. Yeah. I may be young here in seminary, but I know that that's an impossibility, what you're talking about. But I get where they're coming from. But then you go to another class— and it is talking about the you know, your family. Well, you need to make sure that you block out X amount of time per week. So if you just go to every seminary class and start adding the times up, well, now suddenly you've got about a 95-hour work yeah. week. You know, hey, you know, guys need to compare notes before you teach these classes kind yeah. of thing. Um, and so well, I'm just talking about the ministry, but it's in, it's in all facets of life. We're starting with an unrealistic expectation in the first place. I mean, and, and if you're taught that, like as a pastor, if you're taught you're supposed to spend 20 hours minimum preparing, and then you do it in three or four, guilt, guilt, you start guilt. feeling guilt. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing this thing right. So, But, you know, even with that, I know guys who at least they claim, or and I, I was at a conference several years ago, and I remember hearing that they turn their phone off when they walk in the door. Hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, 
I just can't imagine Jesus doing that every night. That he's like, okay, I'm off work today, yeah. so I'm turning my phone off, and I'll, I'll catch you all at eight in the morning. That that that. If you look at the idea of a shepherd, shepherds don't do that. No, shepherds work watching the flock, and then there's a time when they go, okay, you know what? Somebody else is going to watch the flock. I'm going to let the other shepherd do it, and I'm going to go get away and rest. Again, seasonal, not yeah. now. I have to say on the flip side, you also can't answer your phone every time. I, yeah. You're you're probably pretty good at it. I, I've become an expert at screening my calls. I, do you do that? Well, no. True confession so, here? Well, something I've learned I, I, from a business book, actually, and I most of the time put this into practice. I do screen my calls, yes. If, if I don't recognize the number, I don't answer it. Uh, most everybody that— What if you do recognize it? Well, because <laughs> I don't know. No, I always my... answer your phone calls, church member. <laughs> so, I don't always answer your calls, Kevin. We, well, there are some people that we know <laughs> are going to take a little longer than other people. So I, I learned this in a business book years ago, and I put this into practice most of the time. Dedicate a certain amount of time during the day, 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock, whatever it is for your phone call time. Call everybody back in that hour. Yeah. You can also utilize, I do this a lot, I utilize uh, car time. Now, you may be in the car with kids and all that. It's impossible, but... Uh, if I'm driving down the road, that's the time to get on the phone and make a phone call. Um, so with I your hands-free to... device, of course. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't do anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I want to go back a minute, Jeff. What you said when you mentioned that we were taught either I think we were taught this in church itself yeah. the idea that it's God first, family second, work third, and the way I challenge people to think through that is that. God wants to be the center of the circle of your life, period. And that if you're, if you're, no matter what it is in life, your time with your family, God's the center of it. Your time at work, God's the center of it. The time when you're relaxing, God's the center of it. That doesn't mean I'm focusing and I'm intentionally just chasing after God in that very moment. I don't want that to come across wrong, but... You know, even in my downtime, God's the center of it. So that will affect what I watch, where I go, who I talk with, what I'm, I'm participating in, what I'm purchasing. Is God the center of our finances? Is God the center of our time? Is God the center of our family? You can ask that in every facet because if God's not the center, something else is the center. And if something else is the center, that's idolatry. Yeah, That's straight out of the Scripture. So no wonder chaos rules is, is have we got... People, places, things at a higher priority in our life than we do our relationship with God. God doesn't want to be God just on Sunday mornings in our life or Wednesday nights or whenever our particular group gets together. God says, I'm your God 24-7. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to sing over you while you're sleeping, sure. if I'm going to count the number of hairs on yeah. your head, during the daylight hours, you can focus on me and let me be the center of the circle of your life. That doesn't mean, I'm, you see what I'm saying here? Yeah. It's, I have to be the priority in everything, the kids' baseball, my computer yeah. purchase, my vehicle purchase, where I'm spending my time, where I'm going to eat, all of these things. It's, it's Have we unintentionally sent a wrong message with you know, setting aside 15 minutes for God? I uh, think so. And then the one-minute Bible, you know, these well, type of yeah, ideas? Well, I think yes and no. I, I know. I, you know, I, I think I the intentions the are good, but yeah. really, you, you, we can't survive on 15 minutes of God Not a day. Right. That's impossible. I think that we have unintentionally been taught or intentionally been taught, and I think it's always 
it's always a reaction against an abuse or an extreme. Mm-hmm. But we've been taught that we're supposed to put on a hat. This is our, for me, it's my preacher hat. Okay, now I'm going to put on my daddy hat. Yep. Okay, now I'm going to put on my Jeffrey hat. Okay, yep. now I'm going to put on my husband hat. Yep. And I just think that that's, that's segregating or compartmentalizing, probably a better word, compartmentalizing my life that, that doesn't need to happen. I want to be the preacher, the father, well, the, the husband, the Jeff, the jokester, all at once. Yep. Now, I, I'm not saying that you don't at times have to compartmentalize. You know, sometimes our children need extra special focused attention. I mean, that, that's obvious. Yeah. But isn't it much better to engage our families in the work of ministry, to engage our mm-hmm. our, our co-workers into our life at home? I mean, just to where we're not this fragmented person, which I think leads to chaos. Well, that's part of the issue with whether or not God's the center of the circle of life yeah. is because we have we have unintentionally, maybe intentionally, but unbiblically, segregated this is secular and yep. this is sacred right and so this is the god stuff this is the non-god stuff right. the non-god stuff i don't really have to worry about because it's not really godly the god stuff is yeah. when i focus on him yes. and if we understand that everything is sacred everything is sacred yeah. even in the secular the secular sure. is sacred because of our heart being in tune with what god wants through that it's yep. all sacred it's all precious to god yeah you know i think children notice when they're preacher daddies well i've heard it said before i I, I, i've never heard it in my family they may have said i just hadn't heard it but it's okay dad came home with his preacher hat on Mm -hmm. to me that's the worst possible thing that you could ever say because it's insinuating that your preacher hat is different than your daddy hat and and i don't want to be that kind of person I want I want it to be this is who Jesus is in the midst of my life whether it's Sunday, Saturday, Monday or 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 Wednesday. I mean that's the goal. And how do you do that? Well, you incorporate not incorporate but you you acknowledge Jesus in the midst of everything. And you don't make that separation of sacred and secular. So to the to the mom that's driving down the highway right now listening to this podcast and is, her, her life is completely chaotic in every way, what's the practical advice uh, that we can leave them with today? Like, what, what do we do? I mean, Identify boundaries and do not feel guilty. I think moms may— maybe, Or dads. I don't want this to sound bad, but I think moms particularly have a deeper sense of guilt when they say no to some things. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my perception. Mm-hmm. But— Learn that saying no is an act of love. You say no when your kid wants to drink poison. Why? Because you love them. So you say no when you know that you cannot stretch one more thing in. And it actually leads to healthier, happier kids, not uh, disappointed and unhappier kids. Maybe not in the short term. Absolutely not. They're going to be really mad right there. Also, I've never liked the approach of why not because I'm – I'm mom, I'm dad, and I say so. Right, right. I think it's our responsibility as Definitely. adults to, no matter who it is that we're we're teaching, whether it's a coworker that 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 we have responsibility of, an explanation of the why. Yep. I, this is why, and they still may not like it, but they understand the background behind it. And that's for everything. Why do mm-hmm. we Why do we faithfully worship at a local church? Because we're part of the body. We're yep. part of the community. Because the Word of God talks about that. Why do we eat dinner together? I think that's the easiest thing. Make make a time to eat together. Be intentional. Be intentional about it. Yeah. And you it's going to be 
really hard. For you some gotta families. fight for it. <laughs> and yeah. I think also understanding if your life right now you feel like is extremely chaotic, it's not going to change overnight. Right. Right. Even if you're praying, even if you're seeking after God, it can. But the odds of it just tomorrow being sunshines and tulips and roses again, it's not going to happen. You, as as God reveals to you, ask him, what are the boundaries I need to put in my life? You can read the book Boundaries. You mm-hmm. can read other material. But do. maybe you need to ask God, God, show me in my life. I am tired of this. I want more. Help me. And he's going to do that. He will definitely do that. But then it's on you when yeah. he reveals to you what you need to yeah. be aware of. You need to focus on that and change And we it. have to acknowledge that kids are relentless. Yes. They pound and they pound and they pound. And they know they do that because they know that in many occasions, if they just whine about it long enough, you're going to capitulate and say, okay, fine, if you'll just shut up about it. We have to stand strong and as parents say, the answer is no, because like you said, here's the reason. Because we value this yeah. over this, so that's in the you know, the personal life, but I, in the work life too. Um, if you've got an eight hour work day and you've got eight hours of work, that's too much work. Yeah, because uh, it's impossible. It's impossible because there in every line of work, I, I can speak for the ministry. Something unexpected is going to come through the door every single day. That's going to divert your time. A phone call is going to come in, whatever. But that's in any line of work. So you, we have to uh, cut things. Put margin. This is practical. We have to put margin intentionally into uh, our lives. And if we are in, uh, you know, two of us in this room are associate pastors and the senior pastors in this room, uh, we have a good situation here. Some people are in situations uh, maybe where uh, most of their work is dictated to them. Well, maybe that's a good time for a conversation to free up some margin. Um, it's, It's just absolutely necessary, I believe, to have that margin built in. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. It mm-hmm. all goes back to boundaries. And, you know, that's a very biblical concept. Agreed. Gentlemen, we need to wrap it up here. Brent, you got to go get your kids. I do. It's about that time. Chaotic. <laughs> hey, as always, it's a pleasure. We are three uh, ordinary guys. We happen to be pastors, uh, mm-hmm. but we're followers of Jesus first. We're husbands and fathers. And so uh, you guys out there, be encouraged. We want you to know that life is not easy. We shouldn't expect it to be. Life is chaotic, but God is good. You yeah. can trust Him. And the more you yield to Him, um, the more the more you realize His faithfulness. So, until the flip side, Messy Christianity, we're out. Thank you for listening to Messy Christianity. Three guys talking about life, faith, and everything in between. You want to know more? Check us out at storypointchurch.com or www.messychristianity.com